As a people, we are constantly evolving, and part of what influences how we evolve are the conversations we have with ourselves and other people. Welcome to Evolution Space Chats, where we take a moment to tell our stories, to see ourselves in each other, and to grow in dealing with our daily challenges. This is Divinity and you are on Evolution Space Chats brought to you by Sir Wetton. And now today we're having a very interesting conversation that I'm really, really, really looking forward to. And we're talking healing, self-development and growth in that order. And I've got with me Dr. Sonia Killick, who is a self-development specialist. Her passion is human potential and partners high achievers on their road to freedom and growth. She has spent many years contributing to both national and international publications, writing about all the areas of the human experience and psych. After qualifying as a metaphysical psychologist, she opened a life coaching practice and has been a sought-after contributor in the areas of personal development and change implementation. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Divinity. How Thank are you? you? I'm so well. I'm so excited <laughs> for today. I really am too. I'm like, as I read your bio, I was like, there's just no other person that I think is more perfect to have this conversation with. Thank you. Really looking forward to it. So self-development, I mean, it's a big thing even for me. I've done a lot of self-development work and I'm big on it, right? But now... Sometimes I struggle with the concept of self-development partnered up with wellness. And I'm like, how do I, as much as I want to achieve so much, as much as I want to develop so much, but through the lens of wellness, how does that look like? Are the things that I'm doing, are the things that I am uh, taking part of, as much as they self-developing me, how are they contributing to the to my wellness? Can we talk about that? Okay, so I think to begin with, we have to define what wellness is. Okay. So you have a surface level wellness. You know, um, I get a facial, I go to gym, yes. <laughs> you know, I have a good diet and all that mm. kind of stuff. But wellness is really that internal feeling of, well, for me, certainly, is that mm. internal feeling of peace. And where wellness and self-development marry each other mm. is, for me, when you are being true to your needs and how those needs manifest into wellness will kind of dictate what that wellness looks like. Okay. So, for example... Let's look at, you know, and when I think when we speak about wellness, most people see it as quite a physical thing. Yes. Okay. So. Yeah. So that wellness is, are you getting, you know, on a surface level, are you getting enough rest? Mm. Are you looking after your body? Are you resting enough, eating the right diet, exercising, etc.? And those are quite easy concepts for most people to connect in with and to put into practice in their lives, even mm. though it's not that easy. A lot of people start <laughs> off, I'm going to cut out sugar and I'm going to go to gym and then it kind of peters off after, after a little bit of time. But that self-development is really about what is working for me and what is not working for me. And I think that's the absolute core base um, of which people certainly on this journey are looking to develop. And mm. from there stems that um, that wellness into all areas of our lives. So not just my physical wellness, the wellness of my relationships, my work, my goals, my purpose, my absolute expression of self. Mm. 
100% agree with you. But now, if we look at it in that way, right, because some of the aspects that you have mentioned, like relationships with people, how, how are things at work, those are things that very much contribute to our stability as people, as human beings. And stability has changed in the way that we see it and the way that we look at it so much in the past, they say, two years. So how do we then connect that with how stability has been redefined? Okay, great question. So we tend to validate ourselves, to place ourselves, am I doing well or am I doing badly, on external factors. Mm. So we look at the world around us and we go, oh, I've been promoted. I've got a better salary. Um, people respect me. I have a thousand likes on Instagram, you know. So it's all this external validation w- which we use to gauge mm. our own internal stability. Enter COVID, enter this absolute tumultuous inside out destruction of everything <laughs> we know for the last two years. And that external stability has completely changed. Changed, completely, yeah. completely changed. And now the challenge, and that is where the self growth comes in, now that challenge is to what does stability mean? inside and that of course opens up this huge doorway to all the wounds that we've been ignoring yes um the changes that we know we need to make but we've been you know avoiding as well (laughs) putting it off and that pain that pain Mm. so that shift from external stability and you know and we have to be quite honest about it although what we've all experienced in the last two years has been so so unavoidably real you mm. know um it's actually that that external shifting that that illusion of external stability has actually been present our entire lives we know this the there illusion. Is ne- the illusion of stability has always been present we've experienced it in a very very raw intense way in the last two years but have we ever actually had external stability we haven't we think our job is secure we think our relationship is secure. We think our health is secure. We think our family, our, our community, our country, our religion. We think, we believe that all of these external things are stable. But they're actually constantly moving and shifting. Mm. And when it's a slow, evolutionary um, kind of background change, we're not, we, we kind of have the time and the space to gently move with it and to okay. adapt with it. You know, let's just think of a, an easy example, moving from primary school to high school, moving from university into the workforce, moving from, you know, a boyfriend to a husband or from, you know what I mean? So we always, the human life is we're always experiencing these, these changes. Mm. Our external world is constantly changing. I think now what's happened um, is that because it's been such an abrupt change, Okay. We're feeling, where is my place in this? How do I need to adapt? And the problem is that most people are in the state of victimhood. We feel powerless. So there's this huge external stuff that's going on and things are being taken away from us. Family members, um, financial stability, um, even our future. You know, Mm. everything that we knew that we could rely on and identify with Mm. has been ripped away. And now we're faced with this huge feeling of loss, insecurity, fear, um, and we're in this constant reactive survival mode. For the brave souls, this is the invitation to stay inside, to start rebuilding that stability within um, the power of us as individuals. But I have, for 
a while now believed that we need to believe that we've got the stability. We need to believe that things are going to... It's almost like an internal longing inside of us that if we don't believe that things will be okay or that we do have the stability or things are going to go in a particular way, if we don't believe that, then what else do we have to hold on to? I completely agree with you. We need that belief. We need that hope. We need that faith. But where are we placing that hope and that faith? Are we placing it outside of ourselves in an environment that we know is going to keep changing and keep being disruptive? Or can we shift that hope and that faith and that absolute sense of knowing to a place inside? Because then it's never changing. Is it? Is it never changing? Well, we can, of course. It, and hopefully it's never changing in a very positive sense because it grows. So we have access to more knowledge, more strength, more courage. And those are those internal resources that most, you know, actually as a whole, humanity is not taught to tap into those inner resources. Mm. Um, and so I agree with you about that hope and that faith that things are going to improve. I mean, that is the beauty of humanity, really, mm. is that unfailing hope in the face of absolute despair and disaster, we still hold on to hope. And it's, it's a beautiful quality. I think what's being we're being called now to do is can that sense of power and that sense of I know no matter what happens in my world, I'm going to rise to meet it. I'm going to be okay. Um, I will have the solutions. I will have the courage. Can that um, sense of inner peace and power be cultivated within ourselves rather than being placed in transient things you know how do we place it within ourselves because it's constantly being challenged Mm. each day it's almost as though something new comes up and you're like really like i can't take it anymore and each time you you tell yourself that you're getting up and you're trying again and you're going to believe again it something challenges that Mm. you know Mm. um so how how do we okay so very much that is also perspective and it's also attachment So the Buddha teaches non-attachment. And what that really means is where are you attaching your, and we're kind of speaking about the same thing from a different angle here. Where are you attaching your safety to? Where are you attaching your self-worth to? Because if we are constantly feeling challenged and bombarded and I'm just so punch drunk, Mm. every time I get up, I just get hit down, you know, Mm. and it's exhausting. And obviously that hope gets... um, really diluted over time you know and we have to dig really deep to keep finding that positivity so how do you your question is how do we how do we meet that now if we're attaching ourselves constantly to that external validation that we started the conversation um speaking about we are going to constantly have to dig really deep to use that hope to fight against it and it's really about when i talk about internal power it's really about pulling back your time, your resources, and your energy. Because if you are spread too thin, I mean, Mm. even the language, spread too thin, that's where your energy is. Mm. I've just got nothing left. I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I just keep getting hit left, right, and center. center. So building up that well of inner power is when you are pulling back in your sense of self and choosing. You see, when I said a lot of people feel that they're victims, it's because they are reacting, they're not creating. Okay. So when we can move to a place of creating, you know what, I'm going to create my life. I'm going to create my perception, 
my attitude towards life, all of these things. When you get to a place of knowledge that you can, I know that I have the power to create myself, Mm. then we are in a position to choose. Do I choose to engage with people that I know drain my energy? Do I choose to allow this person to keep abusing me? Do I choose to allow to uh, myself to be um, looked over all the time at work? Do I allow myself to continue to be in this toxic relationship? Mm. So it's very much a shift of, I can either be at the mercy of external events mm. or I can be in a place of choice. And when we are in choice, because also when we feel powerless, It's because we believe we don't have a choice. I never had a choice about COVID. I never had a choice about a family member passing away. I Mm. never had a choice about my business closing down. Mm. So we feel powerless. How can we bring back our power? And that is the place of choice. And as a quick aside, I need to say this. It's not a quick fix. It's not like you (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to wake up and go, you know what? I'm going to enforce my boundaries and I'm going to decide where my energy goes and that's it. And you're going to wake up tomorrow and your life's going to be perfect. Mm. And that's where a lot of people fall back because they're like, okay, I've got this hope. I know that I'm going to empower myself. I'm going to make these little changes. And if you don't see an instant external shift then we lose that hope we lose that faith and then we we revert back to our old habits our old belief systems and everything else so it is a daily commitment to self it also sounds like in it being a daily commitment to self it's a daily commitment to knowing self because then you know what your worth is you know the things that uh, need your time you it, it, it needs it requires a lot of knowing and to that then i want us to talk about the things that we need to heal from mm. and the things that we need to acknowledge the need the things that we need to face up to in order for us to actually really accept who we are because then if you don't, you can know something, but if you don't accept it, like it's really kind of pointless and way up in the air. So can we talk about that? Can mm. we talk about knowing self and in knowing self, the things that we need to heal from, the d- things that we need to accept, mm. the things that we need to kind of confront? Okay. So coming back to that, we're either a victim of life, a passenger to our own life, or we're in charge of our own life. There is only one barrier to that taking place, and that's fear. And that inner fear <clears throat> is what we avoid within ourselves. So we avoid looking at our pain. We avoid looking at our trauma, our shame, our vulnerabilities, our truth. And when you say, how do we, that sense of that daily commitment to knowing of self, how do we begin that healing process? Um, we have to first and your, your question was, you know, what do we acknowledge? We first have to acknowledge that perhaps we have not been kind to ourselves. And coming back to wellness, mm. that is an aspect of wellness that is missing. We know how to give love to others. We know how to support our family, our children, our loved ones. We do not know how to give that same level of love and wellness to ourselves. To ourselves. So that inner healing... Um, I like to describe that process as we all have a path mm-hmm. and we're walking along our path and you can't go left or right, you're stuck on this path. But in front of you is this huge big pool of water mm-hmm. and that pool of water is all of your shame, 
your pain, your terrible memories, your horrible experiences, okay? And it's uncomfortable, and we want to hide that from the world, and we want to hide that from ourselves. So, unfortunately, the only way through to continue on our path is we have to swim across that pool of water. Most people know this. They realize, you know, I get triggered by this, Mm. and I'm uncomfortable about that, and I'm afraid of this. Most people are aware of it. They just don't know how to process it. So we'll dip our toe in, and maybe we'll even walk up to the waters up to our waist. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable, and it's painful, and, and we feel like we're losing control. And all of our walls and all of our defense mechanisms that we've used over the years to you know protect ourselves are now kind of being looked at head on, and it's really, really uncomfortable. And so a lot of people go, no, hell no. <laughs> this is way too <laughs> tough, and I don't want to risk anything. Okay, I'm going to go back to what's familiar. And of course, you know, and we turn around and we swim back to the old Mm. path. And those are the old habits, the old bad relationships, etc. That healing journey is for us to swim. The only way, and I'm sure you've heard about this, the only way out the tunnel is through. Through the tunnel. (laughs) We've got to swim over that pool. And when we are treading water and we don't know up from down, that's where that love comes in. And, you know, just before we started recording and we went on air, we were chatting about how... As a society and as individuals, we hide our pain from others mm-hmm. and we think it's necessary. And that is such a huge block to this healing, um, blossoming of self because we fear that our pain is humiliating, our pain is unique, our circumstances are unique. And you know what? Every single one of us are human. And when we can learn to speak our shame, because shame is not, oh, you know, I was walking down the street and I tripped and I landed on my face and my skirt landed up. You know what? <laughs> the shame is I'm terrified of success. I'm terrified of commitment. I'm afraid I'm a failure. I'm afraid um, I have um, imposter syndrome. You know, mm. these are the deeper shames that we need to air to the world because as soon as you speak shame, you've taken away its power. Mm. And then real conversations happen. Connection real connection place. happens. And that connection not only with others, but that connection with Self. With self. That mm-hmm. is so true. And I'm um, just thinking as you're talking that there are so many self-limiting beliefs that we hold on to. And the most importantly, the reasons why we hold on to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So belief systems are a big one because they are tied into our physical bodies. Literally, they are attached into our cellular memory, the very cells of our body. They are wired into our neural pathways. And of course, our thoughts and our emotions are the drivers behind our behaviors, our choices, and everything. Not else. to cut you off. Yes. But I'm just thinking so I write, I'm a writer, and I participated in a writing exercise, a free handwriting mm-hmm. exercise, where then the facilitator was giving us cues. And so she'll just give you one word or two words, and you just carry on writing. And the work that came out of that and the bottom line that we all learned was that our bodies literally carry our beliefs and our traumas and our pain and our hurt. And you thinking that oh, literally it's just somewhere at the back of my mind, but your entire body is carrying it. And when given the opportunity to release it, because in freehand writing, you're not thinking anything, you're just taking the word and writing. So when given the opportunity, all of that kind of just gushes out. And you hit the nail on the head because our brains are, are a data bank. Mm. Now you open that doorway, you deliberately sat down and you wanted to free write. 
and I'm sure you probably wrote a full page, if not more. That is your your memory bank of your mind going, oh, I know, I, you know, I have 30, 40, 50, 60 years of yes, data to give you. Sure. And, yeah. Now, all of that, it. what you experienced, you know, visually through that writing is what is going on in our brains every second of the day. So you're having a conversation with somebody, you're interacting with your mm. children, your partner, your boss, whatever it is. And in the background, that entire data bank is going like, and it's bringing up all the files. <laughs> and that is what um, is... So we are even being unconscious and being a victim to our own minds. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about self-empowerment and enlightenment and consciousness, what we're doing is we are deliberately bringing this old programming, these old belief systems, we're making it conscious so that we can witness it and we can go, sure, this is what I have been um, being driven by. This is what has been controlling every step of my life. But again, we attach to it because that's our identity. We've mm. built up this identity. Well, mm. that's who I am. You know, I'm a independent woman and I don't need anybody. And, uh, you know, and all of us have these identities that we've built up. And they're just there because we had to protect ourselves when we were three, four, five, ten last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how do we begin to shift that, those um, belief systems? It's actually not in our mind. I'll get. To, I'll tell you why. If you are really, Can you really, see the look on my yeah. face. <laughs> tell me, I want the answer now. <laughs> so you know when you've been in a heightened sense of emotion, right? You're extremely angry, or you're extremely sad. Have you ever been able to think your way out of that? If I say to you, "Oh, just you know," let's say you're really angry, and I say to you, "Just calm down." Has that ever worked? Not at all. Never. I'm like, why? You're just going to make you even more angry. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So our emotions is the stronger force. Emotions will always beat, will always beat our mind. Mm. You, we cannot think our way healed. We cannot think our way powerful. We cannot think our way into what we want to be. We need to feel. We have to feel. We have to feel. And that is that swimming pool of water I was describing. So those lifetimes of feelings that we have buried and suppressed and hidden is what we have to feel. And the thing is, people are like, yeah, but how? And what do I do with it? Because, you know, now we're approaching it with our thinking mind. And our thinking mind has been designed to find solutions. Mm. That's what the human being is. We will find solutions. We can't approach our self-development um, with the thinking mind. It has to be feeling. You know, because we want to take that emotion of humiliation or shame or betrayal or rejection, whatever that heavy emotion is, and we want to think our way out of it. And we want to try put it in a little box mm, and, you know, make sense, of make sense of it and justify it. And, you know, but that's that's just going to keep us locked in that cycle. So the way to do that is to just sit with the feeling. And it's, it's such a simple solution, but it's so difficult. We don't want to go into that feeling of betrayal, rejection. But the thing is, once we've felt it, it's gone. Is it not good for us, though, to be able to use our thinking mind to understand what we are feeling and why we are feeling it? Because then if we know the why to this, I'm feeling somebody did this to me and I'm feeling this way about it. And this is the reason why I'm feeling that way about it. And that way we get to the core and to the root of the problem. So, yes, it's that that conscious awareness and that willingness to examine our own pattern, exactly what you just described. Okay, this is what's happened. Why did this happen? Why did I respond this way? Do, 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 do. That thinking um, um, analysis is certainly the right, the first step. 
But we don't okay. want to get lost there. We don't want to get stuck there. We don't okay. want to stay there. Because if we stay there, then the justifications come. Um, then we start making excuses for ourselves or for others. Um, we might go into blame. We might go into victimhood. So we actually almost, if we get stuck there, again, we're still stuck in the thinking part of it. Okay. We're not going to change it. It's happened. This is an experience that we went through. Our choice now is what we want to do with that experience. Mm -hmm. Do I want it to move past me and not be affected by it? And what I mean by that is, is my self-worth going to be affected? Is my positivity going to be affected? Is my ability to take action going to be affected? Am I going to launch myself onto this revenge path because so-and-so, you know, mistreated me? Um, so if we get stuck in the thinking part of, it, um, of that process, we're going to get stuck in what the brain does and the brain tries to find justification solutions and avoidance of pain that the brain only wants us to avoid pain the brain will say to you don't feel that that's dangerous let's rather take action what can we do you know what too painful i'm going to go uh, watch netflix for two hours and just pretend it doesn't <laughs> exist that's the brain talking to you directing you right mm -hmm. avoid pain avoid pain avoid pain I usually just sleep it away. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, let me go sleep. Exactly, exactly. I'm putting the blinkers on. Goodbye, world. Um, and I know that your listeners are like, okay, I can identify this. I know this process. I can see it happening in my life. But like, just tell me how. Tell me what mm. to do. So once you've identified the trigger, the pain, the limit, once you can see it, you've got to allow that feeling to exist. And that is where... The bravery comes in because we don't want to admit that we are imperfect. Me, I'm not afraid. <laughs> I'm not whatever, whatever, fill in the blank. Um, and that's where that humility and that love, I came back right in the beginning about that self-love. If your best friend, if your child, if your partner comes to you and says, this has happened to me, you're going to wrap your arms around them and you're going to hug them and you're going to go, it's okay. And we don't have that skill with ourselves. Mm. We don't know how to lovingly allow these and you know I'm putting my fingers up here negative emotions to exist within us mm. and that means we are only accessing half of our power if we're cutting off the other half of ourselves someone recently said um, someone said to her that she needs to be kind to herself mm. be kinder to yourself mm. and she's like she sat there thinking what does that mean <laughs> Oh, what do you mean I must be kinder to me? What does that look like? And we're just so unfamiliar with it that when it, when we're speaking about ourselves, if if I say be kind to the next person, it, you, you get what I'm saying, you understand exactly what I'm saying, and you are able to action it out. But if I'm saying be kind to self, then you start asking, what? Mm -hmm. Be kind to self? What does that mean? And I think what you, the, the example that you said, if a, a friend comes to you and he says, and they say, this is what I'm feeling or this is what I'm going through, mm -hmm. you are there with them and you hug them and you say, it's okay and I understand and I see you and I hear you. And those are not things that we're able to say to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was having a conversation with my partner last night and I have to say, so I'm very passionate and my whole life really has been about um, more women focused than men focused um, because I obviously being a woman I understand the, the life of a woman yes. and we have our unique challenges and, and, and wounds that we, we deal with but of late I've started to realize um, and also and I have to like stand up to this and admit this most of my life I really believed men were these 
completely different creatures mm. that they didn't have emotions they were like these weird robots and so i within myself i've had to do a lot of work about really connecting into the to the the real man behind the mask because women have been in society we've been forced into this role and men equally have also been forced into their role so i've been doing a lot of of um personal and professional work with men as well but the conversation i had with my partner last night and he's he's definitely on this journey and of course men approach healing very differently to women mm. but what i said to him last night and i'm going to say the same thing how do you practice that self-care wellness self-love with yourself and what i challenged him to do last night and i'm going to take up the challenge myself because i also fall off the wagon sometimes is once a day just say to yourself what do i need and listen to the answer and sometimes it's i need to sleep i need to go for a walk i need to read a book i need to have a bath i need to cry i need to have that conversation that really uncomfortable conversation with somebody that i've been putting off for the last 3 months and it's really weighing on my mind mm. what do i need mm. and then give it to yourself and if you can commit you know we talk about how do we action this what what because humans we need a plan we need goals we are completely lost when we don't have that path ahead of us and this is a really beautiful gentle empowering thing that we can start today mm. whether you put a reminder on your phone whether you ask yourself this question in the morning or the evening half an hour of your day you're committing to yourself what do i need and also just being responsible enough to give it to yourself mm-hmm. i'm reminded of a com- of something that someone said to me that you're so busy and in everything that you're doing i'm sure you definitely are not and cannot give 100% to everything and for a moment after they said that to me i felt bad mm-hmm. and i was like oh my word i'm i'm sure i'm falling short in some things i'm dropping some balls and i'm not juggling everything well enough but again i snapped back from that and i said i am 100% me if i look at myself as 100% and i look at everything that i need to do i cannot realistically give 100% to everything i have to apportion myself and my time as per need and as per importance at a particular point in time so if i'm at work i give the highest percentage of myself to work and when i get home i take a bit from that work percentage and i add to my home percentage and i give a higher it's not to say that i'm not giving any percentages to anything else because i am thinking about something else or i am texting somebody about something so i am still giving a bits of myself to other aspects of my life but depending on what's important at that particular time that's what i give the higher percentage mm. to and i was like i don't need to give 100% because that's impossible that means forgetting about everything forgetting about everyone and just living a linear straight line and and that's not possible because we are made up of so many components and so many things are important to us but at the particular time like right now i'm giving a higher percentage to this particular conversation not to say that everything else doesn't matter but at this moment mm. this is what matters the most mm. and that's what i've had to be honest with myself with to be able to say what do i need mm. i need to be realistic about how i apportion my time i can't give 100% to something at any point in time because there's always other things that i need to pay attention to and then I want us to in that 
talk about how we build because we've spoken about how so much has been taken from us, how we've lost so much. And I mean, I, I've got a, co- a collection of poetry that I've written and in there I write about how loss is such a big part of our lives. Like we lose something every day, whether it's in memory, whether it's in forgetting it somewhere, there is something that we lose and losses, but it's become such a bigger part of our lives now. And we more now feel like a lot is just snatched away from us. You know, you had that job and then it's gone. You had that family member and then they gone. How do we build from a place of nothing? And I think it might go back to that drawing back from, from from within we draw from within so can we talk about that so first off none of us are beginning with nothing okay we have however old you are a lifetime's worth of beauty that we have built and that beauty is built up of knowledge skills understanding relationships um experience in all of its guises so and i know when we experience a big loss we think we tend to default to that i've lost everything Mm. um now i'm going to answer your question except for the family member because the loss of a loved one is a pain that no human is going to Mm. escape Mm. on this planet all of us at one stage are going to have to go through that and it is deeply traumatic and it's anguish and that is something that only takes time so I'm not going to sugarcoat that because it is an enormous loss um, and that is part of the human experience. In that situation, it is so important. You know, we're talking about hiding our shame and our pain. It is so important to speak the pain, whether it's with, with your support group, mm. right, with your loved ones. Also, there's this horrible idea in society that pain must have a time limit. Mm. You're only allowed to be sad for a week. You're only allowed to be depressed for two days and then you've got to buck up and keep going. And in that um, constriction of our experience, our real experiences, if you're, you know, if your body is flooded with grief, you need to be in that grief. All right. And you need to allow it to voice. But how do we build? And I think it's very much about perspective. Um, Very quick science. So it's called the negativity bias. Really interesting. So our brains love negativity because it helps them survive because it helps us scan for threats so positivity is not a natural state for human (laughs) beings okay and that's why no wonder it's so hard i know exactly it's a daily struggle so like that's why gossip columns and social media and and news in its entirety is so successful and that's why we built on it because we love negativity so and so had an affair with this person and there's a war here and and we just we're hooked in it because our brains need that to scan for danger i'm sure it's a it's It's a a biological amount of that that we need because i think during covid we just Oh, got tired of that. Oh, one hundred percent. Oh no, we have exhaustion I don't about watch, it. I don't want to watch the news anymore. I don't want to read the newspaper anymore. I don't. I don't want it anymore. So I'm sure it's a it's a certain we're amount. saturated, one hundred percent. But the actual biological functioning of the brain is going to default to negativity. Mm. So in that sense, it shapes our perception. Have you truly lost everything? No. That's a perception. That's that full negativity, you know, uh, push that our brains want to push us to. And how can I shift my perspective to not what have I lost, but what have I gained? Because that's when you move into power. 
that's when you move we stop reacting to oh the world is is you know difficult and challenging and why me and nothing good ever happens for me and and i've got another challenge i have to face that's that sense of loss and that victimhood and that powerlessness to what have i gained suddenly you're back in the driver's seat suddenly you have the opportunity to choose and to find new opportunity because what have i gained and i can tell you it's been tough and i know in the last year and a half of my life i was challenged so much to again and you know being being a professional you know i have the danger of believing that i've done all the hard work and now i'm i'm this perfect healed being and i shall be for the rest of my life and i genuinely after all these years i genuinely get surprised when i recognize there's another trigger or another wound that i have to work mm. with and that's we're all going to have for our whole lives because that's how we evolve but I knew that there were old, very deep entrenched mindsets and beliefs that I had to let go of. And I didn't willingly let go of them. The last two years of the world took them away from me. It mm. was brutal. It was difficult. I did a lot of screaming, crying, resisting. But when I went through that, I realized, oh, the sense of relief, like I don't have to carry this anymore. Mm. So what did I gain? I reconnected to my family. I reconnected to the fact that I was probably working too long hours and now that I'm kind of doing this hybrid remote mm. working situation, actually I have more opportunity. So our gain does not need to be in direct relation to what we've lost. Because then I sometimes look, I'm like, but how, what is the positive of this? Honestly, I've lost. How have I possibly gained? But now I think what you're saying is that what, what we gain is not necessarily in direct relation to what we've actually lost. Mm. So it opens up our eyes even more and opens up our world even more. The thing is, growth is painful. If you choose to grow, if you choose to embody all of your skills, all of your incredible power, by its very nature, you're going to lose because you're going to outgrow the old. Mm. So you're going to lose mm. old relationships, old jobs, old habits, old lifestyle. Mm. You're going to lose it. We're heading for December break. Mm. A lot of us are going home if we're not um, staying with our families and our parents and all of that. A lot of us are going to be seeing old friends that we haven't seen in such a long time. And a lot of that reunion has been surrounded previously by what I've achieved, what mm -hmm. I've been able to do, what I'm bringing on the table, um, which looks very different now because a lot of us haven't been able to do much, haven't been able to achieve much in our to-do lists and the things that we tick off. And we've got this thing as humans of just always trying to... <laughs> Trying to make sure our CV looks good, and if it doesn't, we over try to co overcompensate with mm. with with something else. Um, just for us in in going into December and going into that break and going into that environment, how do we balance the self worth because we've placed our self worth on these achievements? How do we balance ourselves so that we don't feel that we need to compensate for everything that we haven't been able to do? How do we just be present? Because we, we take for granted what our presence means. We take for granted that we're alive and we're here to even be with our family members and our friends. I'm so glad you said that because I was going to give you my answer with a little caveat before and say, I'm sorry, this is going to sound very airy-fairy and <laughs> spiritual. But now that you've said that, you've, you've given me permission to say that. 
we, if we want to practice true wellness, body, mind, heart, soul, relationships, work, life in general, and we want to embark on this road of self-discovery and empowerment, the road is love. We have to replace fear with love. We have to, all of it. So in terms of December, commit to giving the greatest gift of all, and that is love. If you want to embody love and all the amazing gifts that that comes with, practice love. And say, you know, in December, acknowledge the people around you. You have been so brave this year. I know you struggled and you're still smiling. Mm. I'm so proud of you. And reconnect to, re, uh, so we can, you know, where our attention goes is where energy flows. And yes, we spend our whole lives giving our attention to the CV. Look at me, da da da, look at my bank balance, my car, and my job title, etc. If we want to shift and grow our internal power, which believe me, does grow our external power mm. as well, which is great, we have to daily commit to growing that. And if you can give that gift to others, because, you know, and we've spoken about this during, um, during this chat today about we all need permission to be human. So give that gift and focus on that present moment connection. Grow the connections in a really authentic, beautiful way with the people that you're going. I mean, December is all about coming back to your roots, mm. about resting, about just, and again, about the loss of the year. We are letting go of this year and we are preparing to welcome in a new year. That's mm. really what the energy is about. Um, and that feeling of inadequacy, you know, we have to be very, and we're talking about can't we think we need to be able to have that consciousness 100% do I want to bring in the feelings of inadequacy do I enjoy feeling that Would I want my family members to feel inadequate mm. no and so it's this it's it's a very soft thing and that's why I said forgive me it sounds like a bit airy fairy <laughs> but the result is so beautiful and so powerful when you can all sit around a table together with your family and there is this beautiful sense of true connection beyond our fears our facades our pretend accomplishments mm. our everything else when we can just connect as people and for me one of the absolute core gifts of COVID is that we reconnected again and all of those you know just the fact that we've been in pajamas on zoom we're all human again suddenly <laughs> we're all human so again <laughs> it's beautiful I love it you know we're not hiding behind suits mm. and and, and and it needed to change. Yes, it, it definitely needed to did. change for ourselves as individuals. You were sharing with me about the fact that you can't give, not even a hundred, a thousand percent in any one day. Hell no, mm. you can't. Mm. And we're, we we are being called and invited to be human again with mm. ourselves. That's where that self love comes in with our community, our family, and in our work. Um, knowing that we are enough. In closing. What are your thoughts on holding up space and how do we do that? I think as an extension to what I was suggesting for December is we have to give the gift of permission. We will be leaders in our families, our communities and our work when we can embody that. Mm. If we can hold space for ourselves, we invite others to hold up space for themselves. And you can go and test my theory today that whoever is listening to this podcast Go and have a beautifully, a beautifully vulnerable conversation with whoever is close to you and watch how they respond. 
because we can either connect mentally with people and if we connect on a mental level only we are just sharing our fears and they are sharing their fears mm. when we can connect heart to heart suddenly with the real person so holding up space for others is by being a shining example and holding up space for ourselves that is and making so it safe others mm. Mm, that is so true mm. this podcast is available on Sowetan live until next week it's been amazing thank you so much Sonia be part of our community and follow us on our social media platforms till we meet again next week love and light evolution is the key to breaking the cycle of the norm